Welcome to Behind the Goggles podcast. Today I talk with Luke Richards. We chat about his swimming journey and he discusses mental health and men's suicide. So just a warning in case you're not in a place to listen to this topic. However, for those who may struggle or have a friend or family in need, I hope that you enjoy Luke's vulnerability on this topic and enjoy our podcast. Thank you. Hello everybody, I'm here today with Luke Richards for Behind the Goggles podcast. Hi Luke, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. You look remarkably fresh and unexhausted considering you've just swum seven kilometres. Um, or pretty, at least, I'm sure. I'm pretty, I'm pretty tired. I think it's, I think I'm still in, uh, in, in the afterdrop of the cold. You've got the adrenaline rush still happening. Yep, I think so. I think <laughs> well, so. When the caffeine hits, you'll, you should be good. I'm good looking, to go. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so look, we, we've been trying to organise this um, podcast chat for about six months, and unfortunately, coronavirus got in the way a little bit. We would have had a nice um, chat poolside where we both swim at Paran pool but today we're at Sandringham just on the beach or at the kiosk really but near to the beach and you've just been swimming in the bay I have I have a seven seven k um session in um in very choppy windy uh conditions it was a um it was it was probably one of the toughest swims I've done oh really um yeah just mentally, physically, it was really, really demanding. Wow. Well, a 7K swim is not a small feat by any stretch. I mean, even in a pool, that would be, you know, that's a fair go. So out, and it is choppy. And how far out do you go from the shore? <clears throat> so today, I usually only stick to about like maybe 200 metres out. Yeah. Um, but we started at Half near Moon. The, near the post. Yeah, just, just post. Yeah post markers because mm-hmm. you've always got a I suppose a safety bailout if you get into a bit of strife yes. um, today we we did we did um, laps around the Cerberus um, the boat because it's sort of there's a 1600 course there that made it um, a little bit easier though it was quite tough going out um, Half Moon Bay swimming back to where we are here mm-hmm. is um is probably one of the toughest swims i think in melbourne because there's wow. current like really strong currents oh, on any okay. given day mm-hmm. um normally we would swim from half moon bay up to the, the yacht club here and then back again mm-hmm. um but if you get a really a day where it's lumpy and choppy and you have to swim into it it's uh it can turn a you know a 7k two hour swim into a three and a half hour so I um, help run the Mentone Pink Caps um, swim group down there and um, at Mentone Life Saving Club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in summer we'll get about, you know, on a really big day we'll have about 40 or 50 people sort oh, of join right. us. Yeah, yeah. We have guided swims and, and the lifesavers come out and help us. Yeah. Um, it's just been incredible, though, this summer, how many... Uh, sorry, this winter, how many um, people have been down at Mentone um, who have come from the pools. Yeah, and yeah. and it looks like, you know, it hasn't really... Every weekend it's been re- well, busier than the busiest summer day. Really? Um, and it's, I hope that, you know, for me, being 
that it you know we start to see a lot more people getting getting into it because yeah. you now the open water swimming community is just an incredible incredible group of people so you swim at the pool when you can but by choice you'd prefer the open water is that right yeah so i think that the pool's always been more of a just it's the place where the fitness gets that gets sorted out um it's almost like the treadmill yeah um and and then the bay is is really where i i you know i really love being um there's there's a connection to nature that i think that yeah. you get and when you swim with you know a regular group of people you you know we all look out for each other so it's like i have my life is in your hands your life is mm. in my hands mm. and because the, a lot of us do relatively extreme events um we sort of pre-program not to ever give up Right. And not oh, to stop. Okay. So if you're in and difficulty, so, you might be really pushing beyond safety. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so you know, what happens quite often is I'll see one of the guys and I'm like, I know you're not swimming right. I know there's something not right with you. Yeah. So it's like, right, what's that going on? That is a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and so there's something, I think, when you when you have that trust in, in someone else and you do it on a regular basis... Um, and you're out there, and you just you realise you know how how small you are in comparison to everything else. Yeah. Um, I find it's quite a um, I think cathartic experience for me. I think the um, look, you know, I probably say this every episode about the mental health, and we'll get to your mental health in a bit. But just the the mental strength to swim in the open water too. Look, I don't. I don't really know because I'm too chicken to go out too far. But you have to be able to have that mind over matter mindset in order to even achieve anything because most people are kind of overwhelmed with the enormity of, like, the unknown. So, yeah, you have to kind of come to peace with that, I suppose, in some way, like you were saying. Yeah, I think I just... I don't really think about much other than really breathing and my mm. stroke like when yeah. i'm swimming i think that's why it is so good for you is because it, it doesn't it actually really doesn't matter whether i'm in the pool or in the in the open water mm. it's it's i'm practicing mindfulness while i'm swimming because it's impossible for me to actually think of anything else other than one two three four breathe one yeah. two three <laughs> four breathe and i get out and i'm like you know i can swim sometimes and and have no idea how much time has passed mm, mm. Um, in fact when I did the um, when I did my 25k swim you know I had no idea that I'd been in the water for 10 hours mm. so Luke tell me about how you actually got into swimming what inspired you or made you the, yeah. the swimmer you are today <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of um, it was a bit of an accident I think my um, my wife wanted to do the lawn pier to pub mm. she's um, she's a she's from England Peter Pub a bit of a gateway drug to swimming, perhaps. I think so. It was just a bucket list. Like she always wanted to. It's a bit of a fear thing for her as well. Like she's terrified of the open water and terrified mm. of of swimming in the bay. And yep. um, and she wanted to do the the, the Peter Pub as a bucket list and to get over this. And mm. and I was like, well, if you get that's a you know, that's a pretty serious ocean race. Like it's a true ocean race, not like most of the ones we have in Port Phillip Bay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I'm like, well. 
all right, if you're going to do that, then I'll, I'll do it with you. I, I grew up in a lake. I loved swimming. Um, never been a, a squad swimmer or anything like yeah. that, but always felt relatively confident. So we started training um, for, to prepare for that. Um, it was another, I think, a year and a half or two years because we had a child in between that oh, that okay. we actually got there. But mm. we had a first race down here at um, at Half Moon Bay. We did the, the around the Cerberus. And yep. after that, I just got this bug for the open water swimming. Um, and it, and I don't, it escalated pretty quickly from being, you know, I could see all these distance events and I'm like, I think I can do that. Yeah. I think I can do that. And, and I was doing some weird swimming in the pool as well. Like I just would get in and start to swim for as long as I could. I just swam until I conked out and that just yep. got further and further yep. and further. And so I thought, oh. As opposed oh. to most people who go, oh my God, how many more laps? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please make it stop. <laughs> well, it's sort of different. I, I am like that when, when, I'm, when, when John is, um, John oh. Van Wist. Is, is running a squad it's like oh my god I don't know how I'm going to get through this without without being sick in the pool that's probably um, that's not yeah exactly I think that would be the most embarrassing moment he's and pretty hardcore yeah yeah he's, oh, he's he he is the most in, like he just knows how to get the best out of you without mm. following a standard formula mm. um, and there I just sort of I did did more and more and um, I discovered the rip swim, mm. um, which is across from from Portsea across the heads to um, Point Lonsdale and Grant, another yeah, person a- that I've interviewed on this podcast. Absolutely, yes. another another incredible person to to, to um, you know, influence. I think for me, really early yeah, on. Yeah. So I signed up for that, and I signed up for that because um, that it, is really jumping in the deep end. I mean, that is. It, in, it, and a challenge, a it, real challenge. Yeah, and it, it, it sort of, I didn't really understand. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really, I just go, I'll do that. And I don't think about anything else other mm. than I'm going to do that and then I am do and then I do it or, or I fail. Because maybe um, you thought, oh, the distance is okay. Exactly. But without realising that it's way more than that. It, yeah. is, it is an incredible swim. Um, mm. And so I, the reason why I did that was, um, you know, in my past, um, I used to tell a lie that I'd that I'd water skied through the heads, um, <laughs> and 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 that that story is actually true for someone else. It's just not true for me. Um, <laughs> and and, um, and I and so I sort of saw it, and and I had been. Um, it was I think I think I was about two or three years into my recovery journey at that point, and. Mm. Um, it was a, a way for me to <clears throat> to make amends to myself, and so yeah, I gave it. I put in for it, and and Grant, I met Grant the first time. He took he sort of he wanted to make sure I could actually swim, um, and then he set me on a on a on a course of trying to hit a time for K's per K's, and yeah. I did that. And after that, I was like, I just want to do more. Like I just want to do more. Um, and, and I think then, you know, from that, um, Swim for Recovery was really born and that was attached to Grant Hackett, um, and his last major explosion. Um, and I read an article about him, um, and we haven't really covered it yet, but Mm, to everyone who's listening, um, I'm a recovered addict. Um, I've had mental, I've had, you know, challenges with mental illness all my life Mm. and, um, and you know, for me, seeing Grant in the um, 
in the seeing Grant in the paper and seeing him really get smashed for his behaviour. Like, yeah, there's no excuse yeah. for his behaviour. Um, but I remember reading this article and it, it, there was just he was being treated like he was a you know less than a less than human. Mm. Not yeah, people really came down hard on him for sure. And and some of that I really do understand um, because. You know, when you're in addiction, you do some pretty horrible things, um, mm. and you you also you set expectations with your loved ones that things are going to change, and you fail in your process. And it's not that when you set those expectations, you lie; it's just that you actually have no capability to follow through on them. Yeah. It's a horrible merry-go-round to be on. Mm. And so I saw I saw this article and I and I had so you just were kind of going through a similar thing at I'd, the time. I no, I I was well enough into my recovery journey then, but I realised that you know I can't remember ever seeing a story of recovery in the paper or anywhere else. Mm. Every now and again, you see a star goes off to rehab and they get well, um, but you don't see stories of normal people like me or the you know the literally you know tens of millions of people who have come good after horrific experiences and we don't do that you don't see it because we we choose to be anonymous in general um we because you know there's a lot of fear of judgment out there and it was then that i realized that what i wanted to do was um that that my silence about my recovery was actually robbing other people of the one thing you need which is hope yeah and um so that's when I decided to to come out of the closet so to speak um and since then I haven't really looked back yeah you know it's um it's been such an incredible positive journey mm. um you know now i do work for um both beyond blue and and movember yeah um and i'm very lucky to be able to to talk about you know where i've been where i've and where i am today yeah and um and it's an incredibly rewarding experience and that you are here today and that i actually am here today <laughs> because you know the reality of it is is that despite my best efforts um oh. you know I, I i shouldn't be here mm. Um, and, yeah. and as you say, you're not the only person. There's so many people that go through yeah. things. Yep, exactly. And they think they're alone. They think they are the only person at the time. But yeah. it's uh, I, call, I call it terminal uniqueness. You know, I thought oh, that yes. I thought that no one no one could ever understand. You know, where I've been or the things that I did, and it was incredible. Um, you know, I, I got sober in in the in the rooms of AA and and. You know, that's not necessarily the place it's going to work for everyone, but it worked for me. And I and the reason why I really felt it worked is because I every single time I went to a meeting, I was released of that. Yeah. I could someone could be up there sharing something, and I would be sitting there going, "Yep, that I did that," or I understand how that feels. And when mm. you when you don't feel like you're alone. And you can see someone that is, you know, maybe only a day 
worth of so you know worth of sobriety mm. in front of you but they they've got, got that the 24 hours, you know yeah. exactly you know you just you just sit there and you go I can do this you know I know that I can do it because they have mm. um, and that's what you know has been and it's know, finding your tribe it is it is if you find like-minded people or people that have you know done it or going on the same journey as you you're, you're reassured you're comforted you're guided it's it's fantastic to have that tribe of people and you know it can it saves lives in your case absolutely yeah. and I, it, there's a there's an incredible um author by the name of johan hari and he does a ted talk about um he's written a couple of books and um but he does this ted talk where he turns around and says the opposite of addiction is not sobriety the opposite of addiction is connection mm. and a, a truer statement has has never been made as far as i'm concerned you know mm. in my in my days of addiction i was completely alone you know it, it, you know i i have the most incredibly supportive family um i'm blessed and you know the reality of it is is that that i wasn't alone even though mm. i felt like i was mm. um you know when you when you are literally torturing yourself in the in a pretty horrific way all the time um you know you don't want to you don't want to reveal that to to the people that you love um you know you don't want to tell them that you don't the things that you're thinking and and because you don't want to burden them um, and it's a, the reality is that's is the exact wrong thing to do. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, these days when I'm not running right, you know, I, I'm the first thing I'm doing is talking to, to family and friends, and yeah. because I know today that, you know, I, I, yep, I did the hard yards, but I did not do get get well by myself. Yeah. Um, yep. and that's why. For me, you know, the, the, the ultra marathon swimming is really just the, the perfect analogy for recovery as well. You know, I can't, I can't swim for 10 hours without the kayaker to guide me. I can't swim for 10 hours without the boat captain to, to show us to navigate for us, yeah. for the people on the boat to work out whether or not I'm running right or not, making sure I've got food, mm. looking after me. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I had, I had people helping me through that process um and for me every time i get in the water you know it's 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 an illustration of of that type of thing yeah. and today's is a perfect example you know i've got um i've got three guys that i swim with every almost every single day mm-hmm. um and one of them has has accompanied me on you know almost every single 7k that i've done so so far and so for that everyone knows for the month of Movember, um, mm-hmm. I'm swimming seven k's in the bay every single day, provided there's con- I can do that safely. Um, just to acknowledge the seven guys <clears throat> that um, that take their own life in Australia, I tend to get a bit uh, yeah. a bit a bit, bit bit emotional about yeah. these things when I think about them because yeah. it's just it's um, I could have been one of those stats. Yeah. Um, and so, you know... And, to... and numbers are interesting because they just become a number to people. But when you actually think that they're connected to a life or to a family or to loved people, those that seven, is it's a lot. It's, well, it's, exactly. It's not... There's the one life that's gone, but there's the 
the 10 others that surround that life mm. that are shattered as a result. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's because they don't, I mean, I totally understand where they're at at that moment. Yeah. Um, and the sad thing is, is that, is that it's, you know, the best failure I ever had was at, you know, taking my own life. Like, I'm happy to say <laughs> that I'm a, I was a failure at that. Yes. Um, but it doesn't take much, you know. You can be, it can be a second, a second thought that you act on. Yes, yes. And then... It's you not go like on. it takes lots of planning. No, yeah. no, you know, it's not. Like, it's not in, in, with my experiences, it was never something that was well orchestrated. Mm. It was in a, in a moment of complete hopelessness. Mm. And I just, like, couldn't see any way out. I And I was just done. I'm like, that's it. I can't, I can't go on like this anymore. And, and that's why... And you know, I, I was literally lucky that 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 I'm not very good at doing certain things. Yeah. Um, and also incredibly lucky that you know m- I was living with my mate, and and he'd gone away for the weekend, and I think he forgot his pair of thongs or something, so decided oh. to like literally pop in, like wasn't supposed to be there. Yeah. You know, like how does that happen? Yep. Um, and. You know that 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 was my luck. Mm-hmm. You know that's that could be someone else's bad luck. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that um, what you're kind of showing here is that the word of that we've heard a lot about recently is vulnerability. Vulnerability to be open to talking to other people, to to knowing that others are there for you and want to help. It's want to. They want to support people and make sure that people are living a good life. Yeah, you know, we're starting to see, I think, many, many changes in in the way that we look at mental health as mm. as individuals. Mm. Um, you know, me today, I treat my mental health exactly the same as my physical health. Yep. You know, if there's something not right, I go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't, you know, the things that I normally do to make my to, to keep you know, to get myself back on track if I have a bit of a wobble. Because, you know, life happens. You have them, you know. But um, if those aren't working, then bang, I go to the doctor and I, I look at whatever options are on the table and no option is off the table. Mm. Um, you know, COVID has, 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 has put me in a position where I've literally had to go back to the drawing board to manage my mental health. Yeah, um, other options weren't available. Yeah. And, and also just because it, it's, it's, you know, there's there's... Normally, I you know there might be one thing that's happening that that kicks you in the guts. But when you've got your kids are not right, your wife's not right, you're not right. Yeah. You've got you know I don't know whether or not I'm going to have a job tomorrow hanging over me. All yeah. of these pressures combined and sustained over what a nine month period are just mm. it's too much for anyone to to, yeah. to think about. Yeah, I think you know regardless, nobody's really sailed through this situation. And people need to sort of give themselves a break, don't they? So they go, Do you yep. know, yeah, don't expect to be feeling jolly because if you're feeling pretty low, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my sister, she's a psychologist, and she one of the things she said to me was, you know, it's okay to feel sad. Mm. You know, and you, you sometimes, I find myself saying, it's actually, it's okay like yeah. when you look at everything that's happened to you t- today and over the pause, it, no wonder you feel like this. Mm. And also, it's the balance of life. 
I mean, life is not one rosy path. There are little mishaps and there's big hills and small uh-huh. potholes. But that's the beauty of life. It's not It's not just one golden path that you tread along. So, <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, and you know, so long as you don't just fall down that hole and keep falling, yeah. that's the problem that, that I guess comes and, along. And on, what I know today is that, that, you know, falling down that hole was, for me, because I didn't take action to look to treat my mental health properly, mm. you know, and that started really when I was 11. And, and, and I think that's as much about saying what the times were like back in the early eighties, you know, yeah. we just didn't, no one really dealt with stuff the way they did. Yeah. And especially probably with men more than yeah. others. I was, I was definitely, uh, raised in the heart and the, the mm. F up, yeah, um, yeah. Big boys don't cry. You know, and exactly, you know, and, and, and I didn't, um, you know, I, I pushed so much stuff down that, that by the time I sort of decided to dealt with it, it was way too too late, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. Mind you, you know, I was, I was, what, 38 before I was actually properly diagnosed with any, with, with all of the things um, mm. that I, that I know that I, I, I have. It's funny, you know, if I had have just gone to the, the doctors uh, and, and done all of these things, you know, maybe my path would have been different. But that being said, you know, I don't, for all of the, the for all of the trauma that I experienced up until that time, mm. I wouldn't actually change a day of it. Because I came out of it being comfortable with who I am as a human being for the first time in my life. Mm. And I'm comfortable that that was the journey I had to get to this place of, of, of peace. Right. Uh, I remember having this moment where I was looking at myself in the mirror going, all right, well, this is it's probably just going to be you and me. I was talking to myself mm. <laughs> because I can't see how a family is going to be possible. I can't see how at, thir- at 38 I'm going to be able to do all the things I need to do and get well in time. Yeah. And it just, I got set up with Dominique. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be a a, um, a date, but it was. And uh, we had the most incredible night, and we've literally been together since that day. Um, and That's you know, so she she accepts me for all the the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you blame her for starting your swimming as well. <laughs> <laughs> she probably curses that. She curses that day. <laughs> So, Luke, are you raising funds for Movember? I am. I am. Um, I, I I have a fundraising page. Um, if you Google Luke Richards Movember, you'll find my okay. my my page. I'll put a link on the website thing too. Cool. Great. Thank yeah. you. It's been my second year involved with Movember, and yeah. Um, yeah. Well, when I'll take a photograph of you, and people can see you sporting the mo uh, there. Today. I am. I sort of cheated a little bit because um, because I I should have shaved it off, but it literally this is about three months worth of growth for me. <laughs> so I figure the swimming's enough. I'm just going to keep the mo. You're just doing mo 2020. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Luke. It's been really lovely to hear from you and and meet up after your swim as well. But um, no, really, thanks really for having great me. Story. Thanks thank for you. giving me the platform. You're welcome. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you very much to Luke for sharing his personal story. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. 
If you'd like to support Luke's fundraising, please Google Movember Luke Richards. You can also find further information about this chat on my website at behindthegogglespodcast.com. Thanks for listening.